Welcome back to another episode of the Rag Report podcast with me, Sean Anderson. It's my daily bulletin show where I bring to you recruitment owners, advisors, suppliers, even investors around the world who prepared to give up some of their time to share their experiences, their ideas, their expertise, and, and what they think is going on right now in the world as we are forced into this digital economy through COVID-19 and I, as the recruitment industry is just changing uh, at a pace that we've never seen before. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Pete Watson. Pete is the founder of Mint Recruitment, which is an R2R based in Melbourne, Australia. He's definitely an, an Englishman, even though he's, uh, he's been there for a long time. Uh, 16 years in the game in Melbourne. Pete is well known. He, he's also the host of his own podcast, Recruitment Journeys, I think they call it. Um, and he, and uh, someone I've, I've kept an eye on for a long time. We've had, uh, we've had, we've had a lot of conversation uh, produces a lot of content, and uh, I'm excited to find out more about uh, the journey of what he's been up to. Before I do, I want to mention Rise Recruitment Ventures, our sponsor for the today's episode. Rise are an investment business helping the next generation of recruitment owners to scale and exit their business. So they've done it before. They sold for over 20 million in 2016. If you think that you would like, especially in COVID-19, this is a time where potentially you know, you've got your big plans, but financially, you might not be in the position you were or you would have been had this not happened. Well, these guys can inject you with capital, but also can help you scale and exit. So they can help put the what they call world class infrastructure into your agency. That includes finance, operations, all the back office, but also the front office processes to build a successful business that can be sold in the future. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, get to their website, www.riserv.co.uk. Find out more, they'll, they'll give you a buzz. All right, back to the show. Pete, welcome to The Rag Report. Morning, Sean. How are you doing, sir? I am. I'm, I'm well, mate. It's evening where you are. What is it, seven, seven-ish at night? 7.30. My, my, my bedtime is fast approaching. Yeah. I, bet, uh, I don't know about you, but when I lived in Oz, I, I, I used to quite like being ahead of the UK in the week. And then at the weekend, it was great on a Saturday morning, but then on a Sunday night, I got a bit depressed. I used to think, because my parents and friends were all waking up and they were all about to have another day of the weekend. And I was like, oh, mine's over. Well, you've probably been there too long to worry now. But. Yeah, I don't even think about that anymore. I've still got a bit of a, a mate, a bit of a, yeah, he's a bit of a plonker uh, in, uh, in the north of England. He still texts me on a Saturday night and asks me for the lottery numbers. <laughs> he thinks that's hilarious. I bet he does. I bet he does. Um, well, Pete, look, I've, uh, I've given you an intro. We'll talk about you in more detail. But first question on the Rag Report is always the same. Can you just paint the picture for us? What is your life like right now? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I've got two kids and we, uh, so I'm in Victoria and we've got a, we've got a state premier called Daniel Andrews and he is easily the most cautious of the state premier. So all the other states have been, kids have been going back to school, beaches have been opening, bars, cafes have been opening slowly, but gradually. Um, our state is, going slow really um, and, and part of me kind of likes that because it means we've you know we've been sensible um about avoiding another spike but the other part of it is i feel like my kids have been at home for like four years yeah um so so today's thursday they literally only just went back to school uh two days ago right so my life today is um you know enjoying a little bit of uh you know, getting back to my desk and having time to, to focus on my, my actual day job, yeah. which, let's be honest, um, any, any rector-rector who tells you they're busy at the moment is, uh, is, is not being fully honest. 
there are hundreds, if not thousands of recruiters on the market um, because of obviously COVID retrenchments, but there aren't many jobs. Yeah. So um, yeah, my, my, my job is speaking to recruiters on a daily basis, um, offering advice where I can, um, just trying to stay present, but, but knowing that it's not really going to turn into dollars, it's not really going to turn into revenue. But that's, that's, that's not unique to me. That's, uh, that's the case for a lot of recruiters at the moment, I think. Yeah. Well, um, what has your lockdown experience been like? So if you could tell us from a personal perspective, both business, but also managing the family and the whole, the whole piece, what's it been like for you over the last, was it 12, 13 weeks or something now we've been doing? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, it's been nuts, but it's been, um, there's been so many silver linings. Um, and I really hope that everybody who's been through COVID looks for the silver linings in their, in their personal life because there are plenty of them. So personally speaking, now, like I said, I've got two kids, two boys, 12 and 10. And we've had probably some of the best family times that we've ever had. Um, you know, we've played a lot of Yahtzee. I don't know why Yahtzee has, has, has gripped the family, but it has. I've got, I've got to be so, honest, I don't, I don't know what Yahtzee is. Am I just mate, it's, it's it's five dice and you throw the dice to get certain combinations to get certain points. It sounds really boring, but it's awesome. And uh, I don't want to say we've played a lot of Yahtzee. We've played a ridiculous amount of Yahtzee. Right. Um, and, we've, and we've also been going out bike rides. Um, you know, we've been doing international family Zoom quizzes on a Sunday night. And these are all things... Yeah, I'm almost ashamed to say these are all things that we didn't do yeah, yeah. pre-COVID because we were just too busy. Or, or you know, we, we thought we were too busy and we didn't prioritise family time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, silver linings, plenty of them. Um, and, yeah, some amazing family time. And then from a business perspective, it's been, it's been weird. You know, my, my, my little business has ticked along very nicely, touch wood, for the last 16 years. And then... I remember I was actually going to record a podcast with one of my clients, Rob Millington from Greythorne. It was a Wednesday. And um, driving to his office was the first time I'd heard about a recruiter having an interview cancelled because of COVID. I couldn't quite believe it. So when I got to Rob's office, the first question I asked him was, mate, are you, are you actually worried about this, this, this coronavirus thing? We weren't even calling it COVID-19. No, no. He went, nah, not bothered. Business as usual, doesn't, not, not affecting us in the, in the slightest. And that was the Wednesday. By Friday, um, without exaggeration, my, my business had essentially fallen off a cliff. Everything stopped, um, just stopped in its tracks. Uh, all interviews were cancelled. Clients were just, it was all doom and gloom. It was Armageddon. Um, but the, the really worrying thing for me was I'd, I'd had a really decent and busy December and January. Um, so what that meant was all of the can- all those candidates that I placed in December, December and January, they all joined. That they, they started their new jobs in February. So I had <laughs> I had a, an extraordinary for me for my little business. I had an extraordinary amount of candidates sitting in probation, brand new into their jobs when COVID hit. These are all experienced. These all experienced people that have been moved across. Oh, yeah, look, most of them would have been recruiters who were already here uh, domestically working in the, in the Australian market. Some were, were new to Australia, but they were already here. Um, but, you know, you and I both know, Sean, starting a recruitment job 
in a good market is, is hard enough. Starting a new recruitment job and slap a global pandemic on top, it makes it nigh on impossible. So I, I just, it was, it was actually terrifying when I, I made the mistake of writing down and calculating how much you know, revenue I had at risk. And it was a, it was a scary amount of money. And each day, as each day passed by, I just, I actually, if I'm honest, I prayed that my phone wouldn't ring. Yeah. Because I thought if, if one of those clients rings, it can only be bad news. Um, but what I didn't know at the time was all of those businesses, I mean, look, don't get me wrong, I, I had a couple of dropouts. I had a couple of those phone calls, which started with, Pete, this is the conversation that you don't want to have. Um, of course, I had a couple of those. It was, it was to be expected. But I didn't have as many as I, yeah. as I feared. Um, because what I hadn't taken into account was all of these recruitment businesses were going to bend over backwards to try and keep everybody in a job. They were going to do the right thing. You know, they were going to, there was always going to be victims. Um, there was always going to be retrenchments. But for the most part, most businesses did their utmost to keep people employed. Um, I didn't know that. When, when COVID hit, I didn't know that people were going to have that, that humanistic approach to it. Um, yeah, thank God they did uh, for, for my little business. Well, thank, thank God they did for those, for those recruiters as well. Um, yeah, there's been so many horror stories. Yeah, I spoke to one recruiter who was let go. Um, the reality is she didn't have enough local experience that she was going to get picked up again. She was going to have to return to the UK where she would probably be un unemployed. Um, but she wasn't able to break a lease. So she's going to be unemployed in the UK and still paying rent in Melbourne. I'm interrupting this episode to bring to your attention our second sponsor. That's Odro. Odro is calling on the recruitment industry in, in absence of organised events to take part in what's called the Active Recruiter Challenge. The idea is that we'll all get together on the same day, Friday the 10th of July, to run either a 10k or a half marathon. Um, this is a combined effort from all recruiters to run from their homes and follow any route you want up and down the country. We're hoping that together we can raise money for a teenage cancer trust. Um, and in order to do so, we want all runners to contribute £25 in sponsorship. Fitness and charity, what a combination. To get involved, sign up to the Active Recruiters Club on Strava, then join the 10K or the Half Marathon from there. Strava will then track our time so that we can use them and find out how we are competing with our friends and colleagues. There's also a runner's pack with numbers and wristbands which will be sent out from Odro once you get involved. Finally, see Odro's Active Recruiters blog for full details. Everything will be shared in a link to this podcast. Yeah, there's been so many horror stories. Yeah, I spoke to one recruiter who was let go. Um, the reality is she didn't have enough local experience that she was going to get picked up again. She was going to have to return to the UK where she would probably be un unemployed. Um, but she wasn't able to break a lease. So she's going to be unemployed in the UK and still paying rent in Melbourne. Oh, wow. It's just nuts. You know, there's so many that's horror sad. stories. So That's really sad. That's really, yeah, you, you, you don't think about that. Um, and, and again, I remember moving to Melbourne. I remember what it was like. I, went, I got there in the March. So it's exactly the time that you're dealing with, right? March 2011, mm -hmm. having done six months in Asia, India, 
went straight to St. Kilda, which you do as an English guy. And I went straight to the base, the base hostel in St. Kilda. I remember it really well. And this guy, I remember, I remember literally checking in. We'd already booked it. And uh, I spent more money checking in than I'd spend in a day in Asia. Like, you know, this guy's like, can I have a towel? I was like, yeah, five bucks, mate. I was like, can I have a locker kit? Yeah, five bucks, mate. I was like, can I walk to the toilet? Yeah, five bucks, mate. And it was like, I think we spent like $100 in 10 minutes. And I was like, what the fuck? Well, that would last me days in, in, in uh, Thailand or whatever. Um, and then we, you know, the weather wasn't great. The weather was pretty shit. And I was like, I've, I've moved to Australia. I'm expecting... Yeah, uh, at the moment. Yeah, I was like, I want to look outside and, you know, I thought I'd be on the beach now and the weather's crap and <laughs> I've got no money left. I think I had about 400 quid in, a, in an overdraft in England and we were like, what are we going to do? So we, oh, honestly, mate, some of the jobs we did, I did more than anyone, I think, but in my group, me, Amma, my brother and James, my, the four of us and then the lad, another lad flew in. But we worked in like Amy Park Stadium, we were doing uh, corporate, like when the Melbourne Rebels played, I used to walk around with volivants and fucking cheese pies and shit. Did that. I used to work in the cafe in the day at the ground level. So when the Melbourne, um, I thought, what the, is the AFL team? What's the AFL team? Do you know? Melbourne. Mate, there's, well, mate, there's hundreds of them. But there's a blue and red one in that. There's, there's like one. The that, Demons. Yeah, that's it, the Demons. So the Demons used to come in every day and I used to feed, like, they'd be like, can I get two sangers, mate? And I'd, make, I'd have to make the sandwiches for the Demons. This is, I was a school teacher in England. Like, I was 25, 24, 25. I wasn't a pure kid. I was like, I'm making fucking sandwiches here. Like, I really wasn't up for it. And that's when I, but I remember recruitment was the world that opened up Melbourne for me. Before that, I was, it was shit. I was like, I imagine how a lot of people who come to the UK live in London. They were, were packed in this crap flat on, in, in, on uh, St. Kilda Road by Albert Park, living on peanuts. I used, literally, I used to take food back from the cafe at the end of the day and my brother and Amma would eat it. I was like the breadwinner. And then, but, Mel, but recruitment, I remember that first few months of recruitment when salary was okay, it was good. We got a nice flat. If I had then got turfed out at that point, oh, mate, that would have, my, my, my experience of Australia would have been awful. Awful. Oh, absolutely. And there's so many people that, that haven't had the chance to, yeah. to experience it. And, and, and if I'm honest, uh, and, and, and of course I won't name names, I know... Quite a few people who've been let go, and uh, and they've just thrown their CV all over the market, and they've accepted jobs with businesses that they wouldn't have touched, yeah. um, you know, when they came to Australia. Yeah. Um, and conversely, I've I've had a few recruitment businesses ring me and say we we see this as an opportunity to pick up talent that we know we wouldn't have got in a good market. So yeah, <laughs> there are there are wins to be had out there. But it's interesting you say all that about your, your experience when you get to Australia because I think a lot of people, especially those who haven't been before, and I reckon you know, I've, placed, I've placed literally hundreds of UK recruiters over the years. I reckon only half of them have been to Australia yeah, before they accept a permanent job here. Most of them have never been, which if you think about it, it's nuts. So had you? No, no. I remember, I remember we, we, we got to know a lad from Sydney really well in, in uh, Thailand and Cambodia. And I just remember being like, mate, you're fucking so lucky from there and he's like why he was like i was like it must be amazing and i kept using this phrase must be and he's like have you ever been here mate and i was like no he's like what why do you like rave about it like you never i was like but i was obsessed with this vision of what it was going to be god knows why i moved to melbourne because it was never that the whole time was it was always pretty random weather and you get it hot then it was crap then it and i never went to the beach really we went to port melbourne st kilda a few times it's not yeah, we, we we haven't really got a beach up it's more of a european it's it, i felt the reason i left was 
I basically live in a European city, but 20 hours away from home because everyone is like descendants of Croatia and Spain and France. Like there's all, everyone I met was either British or European descent. The city was all about coffee and wine bars and the weather was cold in the, it was one of the coldest winters I've ever had because we didn't even have heating in the flat. And I'm like, I could be in London or Manchester or Birmingham or whatever doing the same thing. And I was like, so it was either move to Sydney or move to London. And I moved to London. My little brother went to Sydney and then he had five years, got the passport. He's back in Manchester now. Um, but so, so, hang on, Sean, so I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting quite strongly that you don't like Melbourne. No, I do, but I don't think I picked the, it wasn't the right for me at the time. If I moved there now at yeah. mid thirties with a wife and a dog, I think it'd be spot on. I think it's like perfect for that settle down life, but it's not the place when you're a crazy 24 year old. I don't, I don't think. Um, no, was, was I, and I, I think, I think a lot, a, lot of, a lot of people when they come to Australia or when they haven't been here before and they accept a job, they think they're going to be living on the beach, um, overlooking Bondi beach every day. They, they think they're going to be surfing. They think they're going to finish work at five o'clock and go surfing or, or have a barbecue. Um, but the reality is life, you know, life is just as, just as hard in Australia as anywhere else. And it's expensive. It's expensive to, yeah. you know, you can survive here on not much money, but you can't really live unless you make a lot of money. It's very similar to London in that regard. Yeah. But... Um, if you're in recruitment, you've got to be, you know, <laughs> I'm probably not selling the dream very well here, but you need to you need to be you need to be successful in recruitment as a as a pom to to enjoy the life that Australia can actually give you. I'm sure I never I never got there, but I did have a I, look. I did have a really good time. I'm not going to slag it off too much. But going back, well, let's tell your story. So when did you move there? What year was that? Well, this is actually my second stint in Australia. So I moved to Sydney uh, in 2000 for a couple of years, and and actually didn't like it. It was too hot. Um, I remember going back after, I think I'd stuck it out for about two and a half years. And I remember my dad saying, so did, did you love it, son? Did you love Australia? I said, no, I hated it. It was way too hot. And, uh, and I will not be going back. But I, in that two and a half years, I had managed to secure my permanent residency. And I had absolutely no intention of returning to Australia. And then I met my, my partner and mother of my children, who's from Melbourne. And uh, she'd been living in, in, in London for 10 years. We've you met her in the UK? First. In the UK. <laughs> I'd, ne- I'd, never, I'd never romantically been involved with an Australian woman ever. And then I went back to, to London and, <laughs> and met a Melbourneian. And, um, and then, yeah, so we, when we were pregnant with our first, you know, she wanted to come home, understandably. Um, and that was 13 years ago. I arrived in Melbourne 13 years ago. Uh, but I started Mint in London uh, six, 16, 15, 16 years ago, something like that. What were you doing before Mint? Uh, were you working in Rectorec for someone else? So I started with the S3 group. Uh, I was an IT recruiter in Manchester. Um, and uh, I had an amazing time. I, I've still got friends today from the old S3 days. In fact, my, my business partner, Frank, who's based in Manchester, Frank Wadsworth, um, I met him at S3 in Manchester all those years ago. But yeah, I was an IT recruiter. And I'm happy to admit I was not a very good IT recruiter. Really? I just didn't, um, didn't connect. I didn't connect with the candidates. Mm. Um, I'm sure they were very interesting people, but I just I couldn't understand what they were going on about. And it just wasn't for me. And then, classic story, I went to a rector rec uh, looking for a job as an IT recruiter. And uh, they had a, an IT rector rec job available. And I slotted in and it just made sense. It just made perfect sense. And haven't looked back. Now, if I had my time again, 
if I have my now knowing how hard rec to rec is, um, you know, when I started my own business, I probably would have chosen something else. But um, yeah, we, we, we've had a good run. A message from our final sponsor, Vincere. Vincere, if you don't know, is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform for recruitment and staffing businesses globally. Now, I first heard about Vincere. It feels like a while. It was about a year or so ago, and this business came out of nowhere from speaking to recruitment agencies and, and I've always asked them what CRM they use when I when dealing with them from a Hoxo perspective the same players usually used to come up but this word Vincere kept coming up and I was like okay I've heard this two three four five times it must it must be uh, must be an interesting brand um, and now I hear Vincere almost as much as any other brand out there so I did my research and what I love about Vincere is they're looking to partner and invest in the same types of organizations that Hoxo do, which is the future high growth recruitment business, what I call progressive owners. Um, these guys are putting a product out there to level the playing field and help smaller businesses and those growing to edge over their competition. Um, it's, it's proven to be a disruptor in the space. Um, more and more people are using this, this software globally. They recently broke into the G2 crowd momentum grid as the market leader on stellar reviews from users. So the, the, the recruiters that are using Vincere are raving about it. They've got five global offices headquartered in Vietnam. So they, if you've got uh, an office anywhere in the world, they've got this follow the sun methodology. So the support is absolutely top notch. Um, and also by sponsoring the RAG, they're giving a unique offer to our listeners. So if you're listening um, and you want to get involved, go to Vincere's, V-I-N-C-E-R-E dot I-O forward slash rag, where they're going to be offering you a unique exclusive deal because you listen to the rag podcast. Get in touch today. So, so a couple of years in, you moved to Australia. What was that like getting back to Melbourne? What was your experience like having not enjoyed Sydney that much? Now you're in, the, in a different city. You're in a different time of your life. You're having a child, which I imagine is where Melbourne, I think Melbourne comes into its own at that point. But what was your experience yeah. like? Yeah, great. I mean, look, Sydney. Sydney's very glamorous, very transient. People tend this is this is a generalisation, but certainly recruiters, they tend not to put roots down in Sydney. Um, but it's different in Melbourne. People people settle. It's a different pace. It's a different way of life, and it's easier to settle if you can afford the ridiculous house prices. That is. Um, but yeah, with with kids, um, it's perfect. Yeah, it's it's the perfect climate. It's safe. It's healthy. Everything's accessible. Um, it's very, very, yeah, it's very easy to exist uh, as, a, as a family unit uh, in Melbourne. But I was very homesick. I was homesick for quite a few years and I was, I was walking around like a mar, right, mard, um, yeah. which, only, which only a northerner would know what that word means. But I was walking around like a right mard for four or five years. And, um, and I went on a solo trip back to the UK, saw all the lads, hung around in London for a few days, came back to Melbourne. My partner said, um, so you're glad to be back home? I said, no, I'm, I'm not glad to be back home. She said, right, that's it. I've had enough of your talking. And within 48 hours, she was on a plane back to England uh, to do a recce. And um, I was hoping that this was my chance to convince her to move back to London because I was desperate to move back to London. But uh, she sent me a text message within, within three days saying, there's absolutely no way I'm moving back to this country in this climate, pushing prams up and down on the London underground. Uh, so at that point, I was resigned to, st to stay in Melbourne. <laughs> Here we start. I like that. She wears the trousers there. One. And, and oh, she does, yeah. Right. She, she made my decision for me. Fine. So then, how did the business evolve in Melbourne? So you, you, you kind of, you know, you, you're looking long term. You've got, you've got 
this is your roots now. How does how did that affect the growth of your organisation? Yeah, so yeah, it's in, it's interesting because it's it, it relates back to COVID. So um, e- e- even though we, you know I'm talking long term, the, the original plan when we moved to Melbourne was only supposed to come for a couple of years and then move back to London because London because mint recruitment in London was doing was doing great. Uh, at one point, we were very quickly we were nine people. Right. Um, which was yeah, it's too big, too fast. But but you know we closed closed it down essentially to move back to to, to move to Australia, and then as soon as we got to to Australia, um, the GFC hit, yeah, and decimated London. So there was absolutely nothing to return to London for. And then the market was it was crushed. So um, I then started building mint recruitment in um, in what was a, t- a tough market over here as well. But the GFC over here, you know, we we got through the GFC Australia really really well no i think we were the only westernized country to not actually go into into recession uh you know we've got this self-protective banking system which which really stood firm and we we kind of cruised through through the gfc but it was still tough it was still tough i mean i remember i remember negotiating terms at like 12 percent um and when i think back to those conversations you know makes my makes my skin crawl but um yeah it 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 was tough times but um, but yeah, we ploughed through, and then we've you know we've had a really good run up until now. <laughs> yeah. So you've you've kept it small, haven't you? You've always kept it just you in Australia. Have you ever tried to build that in the yeah. Melbourne? Melbourne? Nah. And the reason the reason being, I used to I used to watch other Rector X, um, and they used to hire people. They used to hire recruiters who had minimal recruitment experience, and I could never I could never fathom in my mind how an experienced recruiter could take career advice, like a 10-year recruiter. How would that person take advice from a, a recruiter who's only got 18 months, you know, cold-faced recruitment experience? So I always determined that if I was, and I wanted, I did, I, I wanted to grow Mint. I really did. You know, I wanted, you know, two people in Melbourne, two people in Sydney, one person in, in Brisbane. I, I wanted that. Um, but I was only going to do it by hiring experienced recruiters. Um, who had the experience and the, the skin in the game and the, and the battle scars and the, and the gravitas to have a, a sensible conversation with a fellow experienced recruiter. So <laughs> I then started pursuing those people. <laughs> and uh, they would always entertain the conversation, but the reality is if you speak to an experienced legal recruiter or banking recruiter or IT recruiter and you talk to them about coming to do rec to rec, it's a very short conversation. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, let's be honest, not many people want to, want to do rec to rec, um, especially if you're a successful recruiter in your own space. So um, people would always politely knock me back, understandably. And then eventually when I realized I probably couldn't get the highly experienced people that I wanted, I just wasn't prepared to hire you know, junior recruiters. Um, just, just, just never wanted to do it. And then, you know, juggling family life with two young kids, it just made sense for me to stay, just me. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's worked fine. It's been okay. There's, there's, there's pluses and negatives to working on your own. Um, you know, it's plenty of work-life balance and you come and go as you please and you go to the gym whenever you want and you take the kids to school and pick them up from school, all the rest of it. But, you know, it's a very, um, can be a very lonely existence. You know, there's nobody really to, yeah, celebrate with. There's nobody to commiserate with when everything goes to shit. Um, there's nobody. There's nobody actually interested in your job 
other than you. Yeah, um, I felt I thought about that actually when as you were saying it there, I was like, it's, it, I can see the pros and cons, and I think it's definitely a certain. You got to be a strong person, I think, to do that. I think you got to be really like you know, because a lot of people, including me, I think. I've definitely always bounced off the feedback from others, probably sometimes too much, especially in recruitment days. I think my old boss, Steve, would say, you've got to stop asking for fucking feedback here, Sean, and just do it. Like, you're doing really well, yeah. but, you know, you don't need our feedback to do it. But I guess I, that, I don't know. I just, I just drain the confidence of, of others. Confidence is, you can't have confidence on your own. It has to be, it's, the word confidence is called, con is the Latin word, I think, for with. And fidence is confide, right? So to confide in someone is yeah, you, don't, right. you don't confide on your own. So you can't have confidence on your own. So you get that from others. So yeah. how do you get that source of consistent confidence to keep going? And where do you get that breakout to, to bounce off people? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I think I'll probably substitute the word confidence with um, discipline. You know, it, it, you, you have to be so disciplined and, and regimented in your, in your day. And you have to be kind of so focused because nobody else is going to focus you. Nobody else is going to kick you up the arse. Nobody else is going to chain you to the desk when you want to, when you want to go to the gym. Just you. Um, so, it, yeah, for me, it, it's just there, there is a self-motivation. And this applies to every single small business owner that there is out there. I look. I, yeah, I often get approached oh, millions, particularly now, it's as a as a result of COVID. Mm. There's been so many breakaway one man, two man bands. It's going to be fascinating to look at the recruitment landscape after COVID. Um, but quite often, people will contact me and say, "I'm going to start my own business. Um, have you got any advice for me? Do I need an accountant? Do I need a website?" You know, some real mundane questions. But the one piece of advice I always give them is have a really strong, hard think about whether you can work on your own for a long time. Because you will be working on your own for a long time. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to grow the business. We're going to be five people at the end of year one. I'm like, you won't. You won't be five people at the end of year one. The hardest thing in the world is to grow a recruitment business. Um, and a good recruiter doesn't want to join a one-man band. Um, but, no, you know, everybody has to follow the dreams and inevitably they go, they go and do it. But I suspect... Most of those one, two, three-man bands, um, one of the hardest parts that they'll, 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 they'll deal with is the isolation. Um, and again, that's ironic because everybody, because of COVID, is now in isolation. I haven't found um, the working piece any different because this has been my life for the last 15, 16 years anyway. Hmm. It's been no different. Did you... Um... Did you used to go to, I think you mentioned to me before, you had an office space. Did you go there a lot before? Oh, mate, I've, I've tried all kinds of office spaces. I've had one in the city. I've had one where I live next door to the gym. I've tried shared office space. Um, but ultimately, my experience has been you're always just on your own anyway. Mm. Um, and if you're, if you're engrossed in your work and you're busy and you've got four or five meetings that day, it doesn't really matter where you are. You end up sitting sitting in a cafe anyway mm. um, and me being, me being the tight ass that I am <laughs> and then I then look at the cost of an office versus how, how much I'm actually using it and I usually uh, I usually scratch it scratch it makes sense so what that leads us on to you mentioned it a few times around the future what do you see the landscape in, in Australia particularly looking like post-covid how will the recruitment agency market change do you think it's the, it's the great unknown isn't it it's um 
and even though it's something I'm talking about daily, um, we just don't know. We just don't know. So we've got we've got job keepers over here. I think you're quite, you call it furlough. Is that yeah? Is that yeah. Right? I think yours is a bit more generous than ours. Is yours eighty percent of a, of a? Yeah, it's all changing. It was. It's changing in July. Um, there's going to be you're going to start bringing people back part time, and you're then going to the employer's going to have to pay for that. And then over between now and the end of October, I think there's going to be sliding where the companies have to chip more back in. But yeah, effectively, the the companies have paid. Uh, the, the, the even even tax and national insurance has been covered by the um the, yeah, the government it's, and it's just been you know you've had to i think the only thing employees accrued annual leave during that time which could be a bit of a cost if people leave at the end um but yeah on the whole we've 80 percent, and then you've got the choice to top those people up to 100 if you want but some companies have 100 like they've, they've not topped anyone up they've let 70 80 percent of their team go on to it so they've reduced costs so much that potentially if they've still got a bit of a contract book, they've made a bit more profit, which is a little yeah. bit crazy. Yeah. Oh, it's mad. I, I heard a story about a part-time lifeguard who usually earns like $400 a week. And now he's, he's sitting at home picking up six grand or something like that. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> he's loving it. Um, but, but so we call it, we call it job, we call it job keepers over here. And it's, uh, so what is it? It's $1,500 a fortnight. Uh, three grand a month hmm. and um it's kind of like just it's just like a big giant pause button on the industry um everybody's at home everybody's working how much are they working don't know is anybody looking for a new job in, recruit, in recruitment no of course they're not because there aren't really any jobs out there everybody's staying loyal i i look i don't i don't want to be cynical but i think when job keepers is taken off the table in september october and if the market continues to improve, and it is improving a little bit week by week, I think in September, October, a lot of, a lot of the recruiters, you know, the good ones who've kept their jobs. Um, so that sounded, that sounded like I was suggesting that the recruiters who are on the market now weren't good recruiters. That, that's not what I meant. But the recruiters who've, who've kept their jobs uh, sitting on job keepers for the last couple of months, I think they're probably at that point going to go to market. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to walk, a lot of them, not all of them, but will walk away from their, their current employers. Um, because the really interesting thing that's come out of this whole thing is how, how retrenchment and how job keepers uh, has been handled and managed by the recruitment businesses. Some businesses have handled it very, very well and they've communicated with their people and they've consulted with their people and they've asked their opinion and they've really, you know, thought about their mental health um, and, and just taking everything into consideration. Whereas other businesses have just been very dictatorial and said, right, this is what's happening. You're working from home. We're slashing your salary by this much, by this much, take it or leave it, like it or lump it. And everybody's taking it because they've got no choice. They feel they've got no choice. But when the mist clears um, and the market improves and confidence returns, I think a lot of those recruiters are going to go, right, is this now my opportunity to find a better opportunity because I'm a little bit pissed off with how, you know, my, my, my boss has treated me during COVID. Um, so I think that's, I might be wrong, I might be totally wrong. Who knows? None of us have got a crystal ball on this no, thing. No. I think you're right. I think that's going to happen September, October. And then we're, you know, and then it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't think, I don't think we're going to, have any kind of semblance of normality till January. 
Mm. I hope that'd be that'd be that'd be a good case scenario. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, it's still to this day, if you genuinely think about what's going on and what has gone on, it's nuts. Like, it's just it's become a bit normal. But when you stop again and go, it's it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, I haven't really gone anywhere, done anything. I've not been out much. I've, I've you know. In the last couple of weeks, as it's been relaxed, I saw we saw my wife's mother and um, brother a bit, like gone round in the garden and gone for walks. Um, not seeing my my family in Manchester, not seeing them. Bit of Zoom, we're probably bored of that. We're not even zooming anymore. We're just phoning each other. I don't. It just yeah. feels a bit weird. Um, and it's been, but I've got really like, I have got used to this life to the point where it's like I don't know. It might be a bit weird when everything does open back up. I think the UK is way behind Australia in that front. Like we, I can't see us. If you're ready by January for everything, we'll be June next year. Like we'll be six months behind, I think. Just yeah. the sheer volume of what's going on. Um, but I do think the recruitment industry is going to change. I think that the noises I'm hearing, I think watching the online changes, the way that everyone's jumped to LinkedIn. And I mean, you've been producing content pre-COVID, but the amount of people that have only started producing content in COVID says to me that depending on how they get on with that, there's going to be a lot of people that are more brand conscious. They're going to be more marketing led they're going to work out can i do what i was doing with less people with more tech more more process more content um and be a bit fitter a bit leaner that's the word that toby bab said it fitter and i think it's a great word to use there was a lot of businesses that were probably a bit fat that were a bit heavy and holding on to people that they won't they and especially when furlough ends here there'll be loads of redundancies shit loads of redundancies because we we can't work yeah, I, I spoke to a business business owner today who um, he's he's usually you know quite quite traditional yeah. in his uh, in his in his mindset, and um, he surprised me. He said we 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 haven't yet decided. It's it's not it's not set in stone. He said, but we're probably going to go to to four day weeks when this is all said and done. Um, and he said the reason for that is simple: our people have demonstrated that they can work from home quite capably. Um, they might even be more productive. We can certainly trust them to do so. So, so why not? Why not give them that freedom? So I think that's going to be a, a, a significant change that I think everybody's going to adopt. That four-day um, week in the office or four-day working? No, four-day in the office and one day from home. Yeah. Um, and I suspect there'll be, there'll be much more businesses that will do half and half, yeah. uh, three days in the office. I, I suspect there'll be a lot of recruitment businesses that, that will say it's your choice. You come and go as you please because you've proven that you can do it. Um, and why not? And they'll, they'll have smaller office space. It'll save them money. Um, yeah. I mean, and, that, and that's a good thing. I, I, I think that'll be an amazing thing. I and do. then what will become interesting is that'll become, that'll become one of the, the perks or the benefits that recruiters will then expect. Um, cool. And if a, if a recruitment business is, is saying to a recruiter, you've got to be at your desk in the office, in the CBD five days a week, that that'll be that'll be negative. Yeah, I bet. I, I agree completely. What one final thing? I guess you, how you mentioned a lot of your businesses moving Brits to Australia. Um, I imagine you don't. Yeah, exactly. So I'm thinking, well, how what percentage of that annual work is that going to stop now that you can't do that simply for until the market's up? <sighs> oh man, I mean, I, I can tell you because uh, we had, we had a drama with the with the visas a couple of years ago, and, and I remember working it out at the time that my business over the last 10 years, 48% of my business was bringing UK recruiters over. Um, and then the visa situation was sorted out and they, they kept coming thick and fast. Um, but now 
<laughs> who knows? I mean, there's so many, there's so many different stages to go through. I mean, first of all, they've got to open the, open the borders. Um, then, the, then the recruitment businesses have got to, got to have appetite to hire UK recruiters. They, they, you know, because when you hire a UK recruiter, you're basically hiring somebody who doesn't know the local market. Um, and you've got to give, you could be very patient with those people because they might not do a deal for three months because they don't know anybody in Australia. Yeah. So the market needs, needs to be you know, buoyant enough to, to take that risk. And that could be, I don't know, it's, it's, it's mad to think. But at the same time, if the, if the industry shrinks so much and lots of people are going to leave the industry, lots of recruiters are just going to say, no, nah, this, is, this is too hard. I'm out of here. Um, and ultimately, those recruiters have to come from somewhere. Um, and we have traditionally, this industry for the last three or four decades, we have populated the recruitment industry with, with POMs like you and me. And um, the doors will have to be flung open again at some point. I just don't know when. Yeah. I don't think anybody knows. Well, look, let's. Uh, I reckon we have a follow-up chat in a few in a few months, Pete, and see how, how the market's evolved and how, how things have changed. Um, I'm excited. I'm going to be announcing some exciting changes to this show um, in uh, at the end of June. So uh, I'll get you involved in in the in the in the second phase of the Rag Report, um, and we'll uh, we'll pick up on where pick up on where you you in the market is in Australia and that whole transition from UK in, in a few months. Let's hope, let's hope fingers crossed for your business and for everyone who's listening that things do, do get back to some form of normality so we can do it. Yeah. Thank you, mate. So are you doing, you're doing one podcast per day for the duration of, of what, when, when, when does that end? Well, that, that's the conversation I'm having at the moment. I'm, I'm not decided yet. It's still, uh, it won't be forever because it's, uh, my hair's going grayer every day. Um, it's it's not even just exhausting. It's uh, I just want I just, I don't like the thing about me. I've always been. I get bored of not. I'm not bored of these chats. But I, when something becomes the same, I, I like to shake it up. So even if I went twice a day, it'd change it, right? I won't be doing that because I've not got the business. I can't. I wouldn't be able to run the business with that. But um, yeah, till definitely end of June, we're going to carry on daily, and then we'll have a look at. But we're going to have some exciting changes. Obviously, LinkedIn Live came through last week as well, so I'm going to. Yeah. I want to be able to maneuver and use that in some of this. So yeah, stay close for that, and uh, I'll definitely get you back on though because I think you're you're a perfect perfect ear to the ground for a lot of British businesses that are going to be listening and obviously a, a good barometer for those Australian businesses listening as well. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. And um, hopefully I'll get the invite to be on the recruitment journey podcast at some point as well. If you don't mind. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I, I haven't done 55 uh, back-to-back podcasts like, like you. I think I've done 18 over 12 months. So you, you're putting me to shame, mate. That's all right. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to do 54 episodes of yours. Um, but look, thanks so much, guys. I hope you enjoyed today. I really do. And I hope um, we, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an honest show. We're not here to tell you what you, what you want to hear. We're telling you the truth of what's going on both in the UK and Australia. Um, but we are committed to the fact that together, and Pete agrees, we will get through this stronger if we share and collaborate. So if you're enjoying the show, you've listened today, you think there's someone out there that will benefit from listening to what Pete's got to say, then share it. Get it out via text, WhatsApp, email, put it on LinkedIn, um, because more people can benefit from these conversations. I will be back again tomorrow with more insights, more news, more information. In the meantime, stay safe, and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then 
needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much, and we will see you again soon.